fires. That's caught on the run. Christian Kirk inside the 20. He goes, and Christian Kirk takes the ball all the way. Car to the end zone. It's Thomas reaching for it. This is the best that they have looked on offense for sure. Here, just going to dump it off to Edwards. There's no one in front of him. Gus Edwards running away. Edwards, now one man to beat. Still going all the way down to the 10. Second and one. Gibbs on the pitch. Has some room. Jameer Gibbs. No one touches him. He's in for six. Boyer's long pass of the day is 15 yards, and it's intercepted. Picked off by Jalen Johnson. Johnson untouched for the touchdown. I'm impressed. Second and goal. The fade for Moore. Cannot pull it in. Minshew from his end zone. Here comes uh -oh. Garrett. Football's loose. Who's got it? Cleveland. It's still loose. No signal yet. Touchdown. On second down, he fakes the Taylor. Fires over the middle. Completes. Pittman. Pittman breaking free. Pittman. Colts retake the lead. Allen. Pulls the trigger, sliding catch made inside the 10 by Diggs. Oh, how did he get out of it? Touchdown, Buffalo! Second and goal. Jones swings it, touchdown, Gusecki! Four-man rush this time, Taylor taking a deep shot for Hyatt. Separation, and he's got the catch! Owl lofted one down the sideline, and it is caught by McLaurin! Mayfield. Deep, he's got it, Mike Evans! That's a Buccaneer touchdown! Leads all rookies in scrimmage yards, but they fake, and Ritter is going to go deep. Way deep, and hold in! Scotty Miller, the former Buck, at the Tampa Bay 20. Off the fake, this is where Stafford's at his best. Play action, Nakua in traffic! And he made the catch! What a play by Puka Nakua! Empty set on first down, Stafford is picked up! It's T.J. Watt! And he's down to the six-yard line. From the Seahawks' 34-yard line. Nice play ball. Pass underneath, and the grind oh. hurls on national tight end sting. <laughs> and picks up the Cardinals' first down. From the 18-yard line, Smith with time. Throws to the end zone. This is 37 for quarterback Russell Wilson. Walk by Bulls going deep and Sutton. What a catch! Loves sidearm through the hands of Dodge. Caught by Ring oh on the ricochet. And there's another catch by Kelsey. He's got one man to beat. Kelsey tackled down at the five yard line. Morrow prevents the Dutch nut. Kelly. Kelly into the secondary. Kelly with a foot race. Kelly all the way to the end zone for the touchdown. Taking and throwing back the foot. Intercepted into the hands of Jerome Baker for a touchdown. It's a first down throw. Hit as he throws from ground down field. AJ got it at the 10 yard line. Kittles had one big game this season. That was at home against Dallas. Here's McCaffrey. He's gone. Touchdown 49ers. Blitz off the edge. Cousins throws and it's taken away by Addison for the touchdown. He and Charvarius Ward fighting for the ball. And this time, Addison takes it for the score. G'day Aussie Gridiron fans, welcome back to G'day Gridiron for our week 7 recap episode. Ian here with you, Brad's with me tonight. No Manjot, we've given him the night off. He has some uh, very important assignments to do for uni. Apparently he has to try and squeeze out 3,000 words for a, an essay, Brad. Um, I don't know why you teachers do these things to the kids. <laughs> Well, I mean, forget the kids. What about the teachers that got a grade on that? I mean, he's, yeah, he's a grown-ass adult, so he should be able to get three thousand words out of anything. And of course, well, was, if, if you, if, 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 yeah, I was to say if, if it was an oral examination, 
And Manjo could get 3,000 words out in about two minutes. But. Yeah. I think we hear that every week. Uh, yeah. I, I did check in with him earlier. He's been on it for, I think, the better part of a day and a half now. He's got a 1,000 words. Um, I love it. Anyways, right. So uh, he said, say to me, he just needs to do the research and it should flow and come together. Uh, don't know why you don't start with that. It's a very strange assignment he's doing. So, <laughs> we, we won't tell his professor that. Yeah, no, exactly. As long as he's not an NFL fan and he's not listening, we're all, he's, Evangel will be all good. So. That's right. That's right. All right. So we've got um, we've only got 13 games to get through for week seven. It was a bit of a uh, short week uh, with six teams on the bye for week seven. Mm-hmm. So... We don't have too many to go, so I guess we uh, we should be able to get through this in a pretty reasonable amount of time, I would think, Brad. Yeah, I, th- I think we can uh, we can squeeze it through. It was interesting, you know. We we thought uh, last week that these were kind of going to be crummy games, but I actually thought these games were all right. Yeah, that quite a few of them were pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, very surprising week, I think. Yes, very much so. Very much so. A lot of the crappy teams uh, ended up pulling them out and not looking so crappy. Yeah, I mean, tipping was really weird across the board, not just us. I think everywhere, yeah. everyone. Um, yep. You're picking favorites who were all, most of them seem to be away teams. And the home teams all got up to win, which were mm. a whole bunch of one and two win teams that got uh, another win under their belt. Made good games out of what could have been a bad schedule, really. Um, yeah. So it's been a pretty good week. So how about we start? Let's start right up at the beginning, go all the way back to Thursday night football where the Jags came to New Orleans to take on the Saints. And the Jags ended up just sort of eking out a win in this. Um, Mm. I wasn't overly impressed with the game as as a whole. It was a very close game. I guess it kind of ended up as a good game because it was a close game. They always usually are. But I tell you what, the uh, the defenses from these two teams, and I guess almost this entire division as a whole, uh, this this is like a division with no defenses in it at all in the AFC yeah. South right now, and it seemed that way from from both sides' offense. Um, the Jags did eventually get the win, thirty-one to twenty-four. Of course, um, I think the most impressive thing again to me, I, and I have to mention it again is the human cyborg Derek Carr throwing 33 <laughs> of 55, 301 yards. Uh, I just I don't know how he keeps doing it week after week, but he did. But unfortunately, they, were, they just came up a little bit too short against the Jags. Yeah, it, it's, it's a strange game in the sense of if you looked at this game, if you looked at just the stats on this game, you you and you didn't know which team was which, you would swear – uh, that New Orleans won the game uh, because simply they had way more first downs. They had a ton more total plays, which is 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 an indicator of success. They had more yards. They they had four first downs that they complete or fourth downs that they actually went for and got it. They were four or six on fourth downs. So it, the, all these stats, you would have thought. They won the game. They had less turnovers. Like I said, they had more first downs. So, but yet, somehow, uh, Jacksonville came and won the game. Um, and and it was close, but it but it wasn't. And I felt like, you know, New Orleans offense, they look, they look as confused as a fart in a fan factory. I, I just, they just were uh, abysmal at times. And it, I just wonder, what is it going to take? For them to get it together uh, in terms of a consistency, and you know we say it every week, but poor Derek Carr, uh, and and on the Jag side, Trevor Lawrence, he so he goes into the game with a bum knee, and the big news is you know can he play? Will he play? Because he's got this bad left knee, and it turns out he leads the team in rushing. So it, it was just you know what's up is down and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it, it was still made for an entertaining game. Um, but yeah, I, I think New Orleans has got to figure it out. They've got a 10 day break, so hopefully they can kind of make some changes or get find their rhythm. Yeah, I agree. They went the, the entire two minute uh drill at the end to to win the game. Mm. Um, mm. ended up losing on on a oh, a painstaking miss in the end zone by Foster Moreau. 
that was a sure touchdown. He was wide open uh, in the end zone and, um, yeah, just just completely missed. Got both hands to a ball, went straight through his hands, um, and he was devastated after the game. It was hard to see. Uh, and then they got another short, incomplete pass to Chris Olave to really ice it on downs and Jags get the get the ball back with 21 seconds to just kneel out the game, basically. Mm, yeah. So it, it, it almost ended up as a pretty thrilling ending, and they were very even the entire way through the game. But alas for the Saints, they really they really do, like you said, Brad, need to uh, do a little bit better. Well, let's move to Sunday football. And a game which I think the majority of people thought the Bears would get absolutely romped in by the Raiders uh, and the Raiders would um, maybe put a get a bit of a win on the board, get a bit of self-esteem going. But then we find out during the week <clears throat> that both teams ended up starting their backup quarterbacks or backup backup quarterbacks in, in one way with the Raiders. The Raiders started Brian Hoyer. Chicago started Tyson Badgett after the field still being out with an injury. And, I, I don't know. It was sort of, I don't know. It was billed as a very weird game. The Bears mm. and Tyson Badgett come away with the win, largely due to the Bears' run game, which really showed up in the game. Donta Foreman, especially 16 carries for 89 yards and two big TDs, two very, very important TDs that they showed up very well. 173 rushing yards for the whole game. But, oh man, this, this game was a, a very, very frustrating watch on a lot of levels. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I unfortunately watched every snap of this game. And <laughs> I, again, don't ask me why, but uh, I did. And Tyson Badgett, you got to understand the, the the thing that blows me away about this is he's a rookie quarterback from he played Div two in college. So we're not talking the the top tier uh, division, not even uh, from a, you know, from a power conference or any of that. He wasn't even in the top division. He was Div two, which is for Australian fans. It's just like a lower level of the competition. And you can obviously get good players from there. That happens all the time, but it's hard for a quarterback and especially a rookie quarterback coming in and he looked decent. I, in a lot of ways, I thought he looked uh, how they wish Justin Fields would have looked, you know, in, when he first started. I don't think there's going to be any quarterback controversy, but I was impressed with Tyson being able to just step in there and do what he did. Now, granted, a lot of that is because the Raiders. Who are the Raiders? I mean, uh, you know, jo- Josh McDaniels has a lot to answer for, especially just with with lineup picks in this game as well. Oh, and when you say oh. who they are, I don't and – and I've heard the world say this already in the last day, is why on earth were we were they starting – were we? Why would I say we? Were they starting <laughs> Brian Hoyer? God, I'd, yes. I'd, hate, I'd hate myself if I was a Raiders fan right now. You've got Aiden O'Connell there who was clearly a talent, just needs more time yep. on the field. You've got yep. ample opportunity with Jimmy G out to give him time on the field. And you start mm-hmm. Brian Hoyer, and Brian Hoyer mm-hmm. looked lost. He looked oh. absolutely lost in this offense on this field. There was the play calling was woeful. I just don't mm-hmm. understand. They they didn't help him out at all. His O line were terrible. Nearly every pass he threw was um, was basically touched by the the Bears defensive line. So you didn't know whether it was going to be a pick or it was going to be a spectacular ball to Devontae Adams down the field. You just didn't know yeah. what was going to go on. Um, yeah, they've got so much. Who are they, Brad? I just don't understand. Absolutely. I think, and I think not only is the coaching staff, but you also got to blame the front office, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because they're the ones that that put this together. And it's just, it's embarrassing. It really, really is. And you see Devontae Adams, you know, they're saying they're not going to trade him now and all this and that. But but why, what are you keeping him for? So, you know, get some capital. Just shut it down. If you think that you can win with Brian Hoyer, then you are delusional and you should not be in the NFL in any way, shape, or form. I couldn't agree with you more. Put in Aiden O'Connell, let the chips fall where they may, get him some experience, you know, just tell him, hey, look, we don't expect to win. I know it's the NFL and all that, but it's just woeful. And and Hoyer actually, 
you know, he did have some success when he targeted Devontae Adams, uh, you know, through three, the first three drives, Hoyer was five for seven for 48 yards, just targeting Adams. And then he was 0 for three with an interception targeting everybody else. Uh, you know, but of course the, the team adjusted and they started covering Adams more and it didn't work, but I, I just, this Raiders team is just completely pathetic. Yeah, totally. I mean, if they couldn't even get anything happening on rushing, and you've got Josh Jacobs there. He yeah. only ended up, Josh Jacobs only ended up with 35 yards on the ground, 39 yards total rushing, and and 196, well, 204 yards basically in receiving, uh, 196 passing. It's just, um, I don't know. It is just mm-hmm. woeful, woeful, woeful. And mm-hmm. if you and if you believe Aiden O'Connell is the future of your franchise, put him on the field. That's yep. as you said. Tyson Badger, as you said, he did a real good job. Bears did a great job to come away with this win, 30 to 12. I think it's probably all we really need to talk about with that game. Uh, we can move on to something, a few games that are far more thrilling for the week. Let's start with Browns Colts, which was an absolute shootout. And, and if we were still doing a game of the week like we had started, I would have mm. been putting the, this one up there with a bullet. I wouldn't even be giving you any other options. I would have just said yeah. my, own, my only option is Browns Colts because this was this was a thrilling game from start to finish. Um, the Browns ended up coming away with a win in the last, well, just right down to the death, uh, 39 to 38. The, I, yeah, the, the Browns started PJ Walker here again. Oh, sorry. They'd started, they started to Sean Watson. He was in for a mm-hmm. few plays. PJ Walker ends up in the game again and, um, played an outstanding game for the Browns. They really do look like, a far more functional offense at the moment with PJ Walker on the center rather than Deshaun Watson. So there's something going on. There really is something going on there that they do need to address quickly. If they think that they're going to have uh, any chance of doing anything within the league right now. Uh, but Gardner Minshew, once again, in for the Colts over, because Anthony Richardson did have surgery. Minshew 305 yards from 23 attempts and two TDs in that. It looked outstanding again. Yeah, they just come up painfully short because of a fumble. Yeah, it it was and some very bad officiating. I might add, Manjot was oh, going to Manjot. Manjot had already told me that he was he had a full rant jot segment um, ready to to fire out the holster for this one on officiating. Okay. So yeah, yeah, we might we might get that in a special in a special video or an audio later on. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. It was the, yeah, I will, uh, I can't compare it to man rant job, but the officiating was one of the worst I've seen. It really was. And it, it, it was a shame by professional standards. So, yeah. but I, 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 here's what two things I took a, away from this was Indianapolis. I, if I'm Shane Steichen uh, and uh, I I'm, or if I'm on that team, I'm a fan of Shane Steichen. I think what he is doing is really good. The Colts had a really good game plan going into that game. Browns play a typical, they play a lot of man-to-man. And they let the front kind of just go get after the quarterback. And you saw Indianapolis, to counter that, they had a lot of what we call stacking the receivers and putting them in bunch formation and just did a lot of creative things not overtly creative, but really good game planning. And I just, I love the way they did it. Obviously Minshew had a, had a better game. I, you know, I'm worried about his turnovers and that type of thing, but I don't think you can get rid of that. But I, I was really impressed with Indianapolis the way and how they structured their offense. Cleveland, you know, they won it because of Miles Garrett. That if there's not if there's one player to ever win a game uh, for a defense, it's Miles Garrett, the way he played on Sunday. It yep. was ridiculous. So, I, you know, that again, defensive player of the year, he's right up there as, as well as anybody else. And we'll talk about a couple of the other guys later, but I was just, I was really impressed. And again, Deshaun Watson, I agree with you. So he cleared uh, the concussion protocol. So there's no reason medically he could not go back in. And, but yet coach said, no, I'm not putting him back in there. Now he, he comes back later and says, he's our franchise quarterback and all this and that. But I'm, I'm sorry. When you look better with a rookie 
uh, quarterback in there versus your $230 million guy. Uh, something's wrong. And, 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 you know, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, he's a, he's a bum off the field and he's looking like a bum on the field. So they've come, they've come out now basically and said that he has what is essentially a rotator cuff strain. Um, okay. and it is day to day. It apparently it's the type of injury that baseball pitchers usually get and it takes them four to six weeks to recover from. Um, but okay. if that is, but if that is the case, why are you even trying to start him in a game? Yeah. You've just yeah. gone through a couple of weeks uh, without him on the field, plus a bye. So just keep him off the field, get him healthy. Like if, yep. if you're serious about what what is supposed to be going on here, then you should really Sorry. be doing that. But yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. But it does seem like um, it seems like there's two different seasons going on here for the Colts right now. There's two different, two whole different things that are that are at odds with each other. There's the Colts themselves who have this great defense who can win them game help win them games against the Bengals and the Titans uh narrow loss against the Steelers um of course they did get blown out by the Ravens then mm. there's P- there's PJ Walker who can keep them in games to make sure that they win against both the 49ers and the Colts the last two weeks mm. so, so that happened so that's one team and then there's this other team which is Deshaun Watson by himself or Deshaun Watson within the Browns and they seem to really be at odds against each other. And I, I just, I feel like there needs to be, there really needs to be some conversations or some way to meld that. And they f- have to figure out why those two things are at odds with each other. Because right now, the defense is winning in games. PJ Walker is yep. keeping him in games to to win. And anytime Watson has been in, which he was in for those those games against the Bengals and the Titans, um, but he wasn't the reason they won because there was a lot of defensive scores in that as well as a lot of defensive stops. So it was mm, the, they mm. were very easy games against teams that were very, very hamstrung. So the Browns have some serious issues. The Colts, on the other hand, I think they know what they are right now. And they've, yes. they've, they've just sort of said, no, Richardson, let's just go out and try and do what we can do. And mm-hmm. they've got Jonathan Taylor back, who's 75 yards on the ground with a TD, another 45 in receiving game as well. That was great. Josh Downs playing outstanding. Five receptions, 125 yards and a TD. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. got up for a bit this week as well. So they're all great things for the Colts when I I don't think that they're looking at anything other than just trying to be um, a really good team within the AFC North right now and trying to, I guess, get up closer to Baltimore and take advantage of the fact that that Cincinnati uh, on the down, uh, sorry, against the AFC South, Take advantage of the fact that um, it's the same thing to me. Uh, <laughs> Tennessee, Tennessee are really on the down. Houston are sort of up and down, but doing really well. And the Jacksonville don't know what they're doing. So um, the Colts could get up there second place. They could even steal a division if they're really lucky and if things fall their way. But we'll have to see. Yeah, they, I mean, the AFC is so tough. But if you want to be in, in one division, uh, yeah, I think you're right. The AFC South because uh, you still just don't know who Jacksonville is. So, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I don't believe in any any of the four teams that are in there right now. Uh, there's a couple that are fun, like Colts and Texans to me are a bit fun right now. Um, mm-hmm. And the Titans, even though they sort of seem to be throwing the, the white flag, could just be game wreckers and just go out there and have fun um, and just destroy teams for no reason, just for the fun of it. But we'll see how that goes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Let's move on to some more AFC divisional matchups. Bills, Patriots. What a game. We thought this is another game that we you thought the Bills going up against the Patriots, who the Patriots have not had the best of time. They were coming into this at one and five. They've not had the greatest games ever uh, the last few weeks. Um, they were a combined 51 and 17 over the past two weeks coming into this game, which is ridiculous to say the least played Mm. some of the worst football. I think any of us have ever seen over the past three to four weeks. Mm. So everybody, every man and their dog thought that the bills are going to come into this being the bills and they should absolutely wipe the floor with the pats and get back on the right footing after a couple of down weeks themselves. But then for some reason they did exactly what we talked about last week, Brad, and they played down to their opposition. And this time around, it bit them in the ass. 
hundred percent. And it, it's just, it's mind boggling to me, but you know, again, this is what the NFL wants. They, they want this parody. They, they want you to think that, uh, you know, Buffalo is going to go in there and clean house and, and, but no, the Patriots and Belichick gets, gets his 300th win. And, you know, the thing is, you know, Mac Jones, he'd never led a comeback like that uh, ever before. And so he he comes through and, and plays clutch, which, you know, uh, I know Manjot's going to love. But uh, it's, it's just real interesting because Buffalo, you can tell that they've got problems on defense. Uh, they seriously miss Malone, um, you know. And uh, their safety, I forget his name right now, but they, uh, Ed Oliver, I think they, they miss him uh, big time. And so I don't know, they've got a good offense, but their defense is hurting really bad. And unless they get healthy and make some guys step up, but they're playing linebackers who've never played before. Uh, So it's, they're hurting. And Josh Allen has not been playing. The Bills offense, over the last three games, they have only averaged 5.7 points in the first three quarters of each game. Yeah. That, that's, that is alarming. So they've, they've got to make some changes. I mean, as it is right now, if the season were to end, they're, seventh, they're the seventh seed. They'd be the last team to make it in the playoffs. Now I still wouldn't want to play them, but they are not looking anywhere near what they, what we thought they would look like uh, coming into this season. Not, not at all. Not at all. Um, and I still, it's just um, superhero Josh Allen trying to make throws, ended up with interceptions. Um, 27 to 41 is, is not good enough in passing attempts and a 69 QBR for Josh Allen. He, the guy is a talent. It's un, undeniable. But when Mac Jones has a better QBR rating than you or a better quarterback rating than you in a game, you really need to take a look at yourself. And and granted, Mac Jones probably played one of the best games he's had ever on an NFL field in this game. And he needed needed to do that to be able to come away with that win. So he did Mm -hmm. step up at that point. Uh, Yeah, but it was – I have to agree. It's just um, the Bills have some serious problems that they need to address. Um, whereas the Pats, I don't know. You don't. Know, I don't even know where to start with the the New England. Oh, uh, I, I, yeah, I think the Pats are the Pats. I, I don't think they're they're going to be a decent team this year. Um, so you know, who knows? It's it's crazy, but but I still don't think this win propels them on to anything significant. No. Uh, right. Let's move on to Commanders Giants. Commanders at home. Uh, sorry, Commanders go into the Giants' home in New York. At MetLife, and the New York Giants. This is two teams that that have not been playing very well, um, not well at all. The Commanders were three and four. The Giants were one and five coming into this. Uh, sorry, three and three and one and five coming into this. Giants, obviously, we've talked about not playing very well at all. Daniel Jones still out. Tyrod Taylor was in, and the Giants just seemed to get after the Commanders from the get-go. Uh, they really dominated them, even though it was very low scoring. They were they went into halftime at 14-0, uh, not scoring until the second quarter. I think one of the big things for me in this game, again, and it's the same thing I've been going on with for weeks, is Sam Howell and sacks. It's just the Giants managed to sack him six times in this game, and the Giants up until this point for every other game in the, the first six had only had five combined sacks in six games, and they come out of this, their defensive uh, line comes out of this with six sacks alone on Sam Howe. Yeah, and you can't give away uh, all those sacks and expect to be com- c- competitive. You just, you cannot give up that much yardage. It's just, it's not possible. And their offense, the commander's offense, has just looked pitiful at, at times, and their defense has definitely not lived up to expectations. So, uh, you know, it would not surprise me if you don't see this same staff uh, in 2024, if not before the end of the season. So it'll it'll be really interesting to see. Their offensive line looked really bad 
really, really bad. And they're going up against the Eagles next game. And I just think, oh gosh, you know, what what could that be like? So yeah. and then and, you know, and then the Giants, the thing about the, you know, so Tyrod Taylor comes in and actually plays pretty well. Um, you know, they only scored 14 points, but but here's the interesting thing I was reading the other day is you're paying Tyrod Taylor five million. Your offense looks, in my opinion, uh, just as good. Maybe, maybe not quite as good, but in that same tier mm. as your, your forty million dollar a year Daniel Jones. Basically, Wouldn't yeah, just that, as just as good. I think just as good. Yeah. Wouldn't that money have been way better spent? You know, on all the other areas and just saying, okay, this year we're gonna just you know we're gonna roll with it and kind kind of like what Seattle thought they were gonna do with Geno Smith. And that ended up turning out really well for him. But, you know, same thing. And so I, I just think it's bad, bad decision-making by the Giants' front office. It's a big advocate, really, isn't it, for building a team first and then finding the right quarterback rather yeah. than the opposite way around where you find the right quarterback and then take like three or four years to build a team around him. Just- unless, yeah, exactly. Unless you've got a known stud, you know, like – like Herbert or, you know, whatever, some of these guys, but absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's just, this is a, it's a different way of building a team. It still gets to the mm-hmm. same, same result, but they had a lot of the pieces, really quality pieces already there within the team. So build around those, build that up and then go after a QB that you really want. If, be it, And usually it would be a more experienced guy that can lead a team rather than a younger guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I have to agree because we went through all that heartache, that all that nonsense with Saquon Barkley and his contract and stuff. It was, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and they could have far better spent the money just that way. Just spend the money on Barkley up front and then spend money on your O line because God, that needs some help. Um, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Defensively, they're not doing too bad. I think there are some. There aren't real name guys in there, but D line isn't too bad. It's pretty yeah. functional right now. O-line is no. woeful. The O-line yeah. is absolutely woeful. Um, so that's an area that really needs to be sorted out. So, Well, and and I would say that's – and that's not necessarily because they haven't put draft capital into it. They have, but none of it's panned out for the Giants mm. O-line. So, you, again, you know, you got to look at your front office on that. So Yeah, it is that draft, the draft crapshoot that happens every year, basically. Yep. Uh, Falcons, Buccaneers. <laughs> yes, please. The let's, Falcons. Okay, let's have our weekly Falcons talk. Uh, <laughs> I thought for sure the Bucs were going to rail them here. Baker Mayfield and the Bucs had been playing amazing for the first this first part of the season. And people mm. get on me and say, you, you, people have told me you're an idiot. No, <laughs> I we everybody expected the Bucs to be woeful, and they hadn't been. So that's where I base amazing from. I'm not Correct. saying... I'm not saying they're playing um they're they're playing at Mahomes level or or that or anything like that. I'm not saying Baker Mayfield is is Kirk Cousins or Joe Burrow or Pat Mahomes or even Josh Allen in his good games. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying mm-hmm. we all thought that they were going to be at this point like one and five, uh one and six. Yeah. You know? Like that's where we thought that they would be. They're not. <laughs> they're at three and three now, um, after this loss to the Falcons. But they had been playing great up until this point. And in this game, they still played great. But there, there was still just some things, there were some real things wrong that just didn't happen for the the Bucks. And it was a very weird game. And you, you couldn't even get uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans really firing well enough. Rashad White had a great game um, mm-hmm. on the ground and, and in receiving as well. So that was a good thing for them. He really came along. But... The Falcons, I think, managed to to secure a win here despite themselves, which is a big yeah. there's probably four different times in the fourth quarter that they could have actually sealed the game and won the game, and they ended up having to rely on kicker Youngway Koo to to hit the, the game-winning field goal um, to put them over the line 16-13. Um, but up until that point, yeah, I think it was just a better – it was better play calling, better clock management, 
to put them in the right spot. It was only up to the players to actually execute those plays. And if they'd managed to execute those plays a little bit better, then it could have been a lot easier game for the Falcons. But in the end, they still come all over the win. Yeah. You know, the Falcons are doing everything they can to get in the way of themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are the only divisional, they're, uh, they're the only divisional leaders that, uh, have a negative point differential. They, so they've actually been outscored more than they've scored, and yet they're still four and three, and they lead their division. Desmond Ritter, thank you very much. Three turnovers in the red zone. Again, that guy, I, I love him, but I hate him. Just, uh, <laughs> yes, he's so infuriating to me. Um, you, you guys know my, my love for the Falcons, and again, I sat there and I watched every play of it. Uh, and I, what I was impressed with, uh, was the Falcons defense. They're playing pretty well. And especially with Jeff Okuda, who they traded for from the Rams earlier, he was like the third pick from the Rams uh, a few years ago, was not getting any playing time with them. Sorry, uh, the Lions. I don't know why I said the Rams, the Lions. And, uh, he played really well, played a really, really good game. The guy on the other side of the ball, AJ Terrell, he did not play a good game. So, but overall, the Atlanta defense is doing really well. And, you know, they're wearing teams down with that offensive running style. I want to know, you know, how strange, though, was it with this Bijan Robinson thing? So, you know, oh, yeah. he, he didn't get any listing on, on the um, injury report. And yet uh, he only plays one snap and they say it's because of a, a headache or something. So it's just it's just really weird. I'll be real interested to see if the NFL comes down on them in in some way. But they've got to figure out their red zone problems. Uh, you know, they're moving the ball from twenty to twenty just fine. And, but as soon as they get into that red zone, they just become pedestrian at best. So yeah, uh, it, it's it's really interesting. And the Bucks, you know, I I do, I love their style of play. But Baker had some costly miss passes, um, and you know he he did he did get him in the position. I think what to kick a field goal there with you know less than a minute left. But uh, I would I would have liked to have seen him play a little bit better, and I think they could have sneaked it out if he would have. But you can't pin it all on Baker. It's 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 not all his fault. No, definitely not. Uh geez, Brad, where'd the time go? Where apparently Jeez. I I do talk too much. Um, <laughs> So we can't put it all on Manjot every week. Um, no. Ravens Lions. We'll move on to that. Let's let's get through that quickly enough. Ravens absolutely blew out the Lions, thirty-eight to six, in what was easily the upset of the week for me. Um, the Lions, we thought, were a much better team. They came into this at five and one and playing some amazing football, beating some really great teams, um, and then they just get absolutely. I don't know. They must have just stayed in Detroit. I think they just left any will to play in Detroit, got absolutely dominated on every side of the ball by the Baltimore Ravens who just ran away with this game. Yeah. And I think the question you guys ask is, are the Ravens legitimate Super Bowl contenders and the way they played on Sunday? Absolutely. 100%. Uh, I, I think the Lamar Jackson, he looked like an MVP. He played like an MVP um so it it'll be really interesting lions i think they they showed you they still got a little bit of ways to go i love the lions but i i don't know if they're that super bowl caliber they could get hot but i don't i don't know about the super bowl i think the 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 last thing i would say is the thing i love is that that baltimore and lamar won this game through the passing game which is something that everyone gets on him for a year for, for years and years now 357 yards through the air uh, and three TDs. So that's the way he beat them in this game. He beat them at their own game, basically. He beat Jared Goff and the Detroit receiving core at their own game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Steelers-Rams. Steelers come away with a small win, 25-17, to 17, over the LA Rams. Um, it was a very tight game. Um, and I think everyone knew it was going to be a tight game, but I don't know whether we thought that it would come down to one questionable fourth down spot at a two-minute warning, which kind of really sealed the game again. Um, 
another bad officiating gaff basically gave a team a win uh, and really took the the wind out of the sails of a game that um, was a little bit entertaining for both sides fans. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the thing that uh, with the Steelers is their offense looked absolutely pathetic early. In, I mean, absolutely pathetic early in the season uh, for the first several games. And again, this first half, they look pathetic. Then they at halftime, something happens and they actually came out and looked pretty decent. So um, hats off to them. They they get the win. How good is TJ Watt playing? Oh, my goodness. Oh, amazingly. That guy is you know, so good. We talk about defensive player of the year uh, potentials earlier with Miles Garrett. TJ Watt is right there, right there. And, you know, it's just everybody saw the play where he drops back in, into coverage and, and picks it off. And it was just, it was a thing of beauty. And I hate the Steelers, but it was still, it was, it was fun to watch. And Hey, Rams fans, as, as a Cowboy fan, I know what it's like when you got Brett Maher kicking. Okay. He missed four extra points last year in the playoffs for us. So goodbye, Brett Maher. They cut him this week for missing three field goals. And that's what you get. He gets the yips and, and there's nothing you can do about it. So yeah. Well, the Rams uh, went into this season thinking that Brett Maher was going to be their kicker. And I, that was just, uh, I think it was, I think the entire NFL thought that was a crazy decision. Oh, it is. So yeah, I'm not sure is. whether Brett Maher thought he was going to get another job after last season, but yeah, Rams, yeah. Rams decided they'd give him one for a while. So it's just, yeah, anyway, <laughs> they were doing great up until that point. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they were doing really great. And they could have won this game. Puka Nakua, again, eight receptions, 154 yards. It's good to see him getting uh, a decent chunk, even with. Cooper Cup still there on the sheet, which is proving that they can actually swap between the two and keep uh, defenses guessing who's going to really fire on the day. Hmm. Um, Cardinals Seahawks up in Seattle. Uh, the Seahawks end up with the win twenty to ten over the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, JSN and Jake Bobo came from opposite ends of the spectrum for NFL rookies, but I tell you what. Uh, they really sort of found themselves both in the right right place at Seattle. And this week, they both caught first half touchdown passes. Um, Kenneth Walker rushed for a season-high 105 yards, and the Seahawks really just beat up on the lowly Cardinals. Yeah, you know, it. Uh, I, I worry about Geno Smith um, a little bit, and just he's starting to turn the ball over a lot more, especially in the red zone which is the reason he was so good is he's not turning it over. But um, so I think, you know, it's the Cardinals. They want us to, they are staying competitive, but they're not getting any wins. So Seattle obviously should have won this game and they, and they pull it out. But, um, but I'm I'm a little worried about Geno Smith in terms of just when defenses clamp down in the playoffs, I don't know if he's going to have what it takes um, to make anything happen. So, and the Cardinals, they just can't do anything. They had what three turnovers in Seattle's territory and they come out with three points on it. So the, the Cardinals are not, uh, they're not a good team. And we knew that they're, they're plucky. Um, you know, they, they obviously beat Dallas. They'll win maybe one or two more games, but overall they're, they're hurting. Yep. They definitely are. Um, Packers Broncos. PJ Locke saves Denver from another second half meltdown, and the Packers and uh, the Packers end up going down to the Broncos, seventeen to nineteen, which ends Denver's dubious streak of blown halftime leads. From some of the stats I've gotten, um, Broncos' first home victory under Sean Payton, both came sort of from one of the most unexpected places, which was backup safety PJ Locke saved the Broncos. Um, by intercepting Jordan Love's deep pass in the closing minutes to really seal that 19-17 win. A lot of people, I think, have been on Jordan Love in the last couple of days since this game and yes. said that he, he hasn't played a great game, he didn't play a great game. I've, I've watched a little bit of it back after some people were, were talking about some of the things, and I can't put all of this fault onto Jordan Love. He had 21-31, yes, only 180 yards, but 21-31 is not bad in completion percentages, um, two TDs. He really didn't miss 
that many throws that where he had open receivers or anything. Um, it wasn't like he was missing open receivers on the field, the ones that he didn't see, et cetera, like that. So there wasn't a lot more he could do here. I would put more of this blame on on his own O-line uh, and on some of his own receiving core because they don't. some of them don't seem like they're going the extra mile. It seems like they've just lost a little bit of their own juice, um, maybe suffering their own confidence um, or lack of confidence at this point. Yeah, I th- I think it's not just a love thing. It's it's a little bit of a perfect storm in the sense of they are so young, so so young as a team, and they're banged up. That offensive line is just decimated. So what's Love supposed to do? I mean, he needs to get the ball out quicker, um, and he probably could make some better decisions with it. But you got to give the guy a little bit of a break. It it is disheartening considering how bad the Broncos defense was playing. They actually stepped it up a little bit this game. Um, and they were, and they were pretty decent, especially Sertan, uh, at corner. He, he, he did a good job, but it's just, you got to worry if you're the Packers, but I understand why they're stinking it up. So, and if you're Denver, uh, you know, I think it's fool's gold to think that you've turned the corner or you're that good. It's the reality is you you beat uh, a really decimated uh, Green Bay team by two points. So it, there's nothing to write home about. And in that division, they're not going to make any noise. It's going to be uh, Lions, Vikings, or sorry, uh, I was, I'm looking at the the Packers in their division, but you know, it, Denver's not going to do anything whatsoever this season. So, in my opinion, just give up on it and go for your draft picks. That we are in week seven. That AFC West is already sealed, basically. Oh yeah, um, Kansas City's got it. KC are at six and one right now, um, and yeah, I mean the Raiders three and four. Uh, the Rams two and four, Denver at two and five. You cannot say any of those are going to come back to do anything within the division. Plus, KC mm-hmm. have already got wins over a couple of them, so it it really doesn't matter at this point. It is uh it is fully sealed. So, I mean, yeah, we're not far off basically being able to say the first division in the NFL is clinched, and it is week seven. Yeah, there's <laughs> no way that should be happening at all. Uh, let's talk about Chiefs and Chargers. Um, you would think that if anybody should know how to stop uh, the Patrick, the Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey train, that it would be the LA Chargers. But there's a lot here to dissect with the Chargers, and I mean, I think it all starts again, as we've spoken about before, with the head coach and some very, very questionable decisions from a guy who is supposed to be a defensive coach and a defensive head coach who failed to readjust and adjust his defense to stop KC until far, far too late in the game. Um, of course, majority of points were scored in the first half by both teams. And then third quarter was was nil all. They held them scoreless and Kansas City just coming home with uh, the one TD in the fourth quarter. But by then they had all but sealed up the game. Yeah, Mahomes was just toying with him. He was he was able to do anything he wanted. You know, Staley, like you said, Staley gave up a ton ton of points. I think it was the second most he's ever given up in a half, 24 points in the first half. I unless something happens in these next couple games, I would not be that surprised if he gets fired. Because I, want, that, I wonder if he already has that inkling where he already knows that's what's happening. I, I wonder. Uh, I mean, his his decision making is horrible. Uh, I don't. I know everybody says all oh, analytics, analytics, but we had this discussion last week. It's it's analytics within a context, and he doesn't seem to have the context. He just says, "Oh, analytics fourth and seven on my own thirty five. I'm going to go for it," you know, and just stuff like that. And it's just it's infuriating. So, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I agree. Uh, they're at, they're at fourth and five. Uh, on their own 27, which admittedly is a long way down the field. But they were fourth and five. They were 24 to 17 down. Um, they didn't have long left in the game. It was only six minutes in the game, and he chooses to punt. And, and at what point at what point in your brain do you think that you're going to get the ball back 
again and go down the field on KC. You need to go for it at that point. You, you're in a yeah. dire state already. You read the room, read the game. You should already know where you're at. So just go for it because you have to go for broke. Because after that, the Chiefs went six plays and scored a touchdown. That was their, their fourth quarter touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, guys absolutely. 35 yards and just left them with two and a half minutes of the clock, then got an interception after a bit because the Chargers couldn't move the ball at all. They only went 26 yards further down the field and still got an interception. So, yeah, there has to, there's a lot to answer for with, with Staley right now. And I agree, Brad. I don't think, uh, I don't think he's long for this league, unfortunately. No, and, and, and the thing that I feel bad, you guys know how much of a Herbert fan I am, is it, it's going to be like his friggin' fifth coach in seven years or something like that it's in terms of if you count college uh, uh, and the pros it's just nobody has had more head coaches i think than him in the last whatever however long he's been in the league plus college Mm. all right let's go on to sunday night football which promised to be an amazing game an absolute shootout between two heavyweights the dolphins and the eagles and in the end it ended up as a bit of a fizzle out for the Dolphins, who really, I think, and there's no better way to put it in Australian terms than shit the bed on defense. Yeah. Yeah. They, really, they really, really did. They couldn't get anything moving on offense against the Philly defense, and their defense just could not stop the Eagles moving around down the field. Uh, Hertz ended up coming back from a, uh, a woeful pick six uh, to mm. hit A.J. Brown with a winning touchdown uh, late in the game. Well, not late in the game. It was pretty much by the third quarter. Uh, and they ended up with a win 31 to 17 over the Dolphins in a game where you, I think you could pretty much, and everyone could pretty much agree that this looked like the Eagles we expected coming out of last season's Super Bowl. Yeah, I, you know, I think Hurts is showing that he's human. Um, and Which is always a good thing. Yeah, you're right, right. Because I think, he, what has he had? He's already had like six or seven turnovers this season. I think he's already matched. Yes, yeah. Uh, no, 10 turnovers. He had 10 turnovers this season already. Um, which, oddly enough, he, yes, he, he's second in the NFL in turnovers, only behind Desmond Ritter, believe it or not. So, <laughs> so he has turned the ball over quite a bit. But... Um, but they're obviously doing enough to, to win the games pretty convincingly. So, I, you know, and if I'm the Dolphins, I like the fact that I was able to put some pressure on Hurts, which led to some of the turnovers. But you got to capitalize. Their offensive line is banged up. The Dolphins' offensive line is really seriously banged up. And they were without two of their starters. They lost a guard early in the game. So, you know, and the Eagles' strength is, that, is their defensive line. So they were just able to put pressure. Um, yeah, I, I would love to see a rematch of this game because I think it would be much closer. But, you know... Hey, the, the Eagles delivered. They did what they were supposed to do. So, like I said, on on defense, Terrell Edmonds, Darius Slay, Hassan Reddick, especially those three had amazing games for the Eagles all around. Um, yeah, they really just dominated the Miami line and tour and just made it very, very hard for the Dolphins to do anything on offense. And I think when you, when you stop, even just... You keep Tyreek Hill to 88 yards. Sounds like a lot for any receiver, but for Tyreek Hill, that's uh, any other receiver's 20-yard game. So that's mm, – um Yes. Yeah, when you keep him to that, then, then yeah, it really pegs him back. Uh, pegged him back a bit in the AFC East standings as well. Of course, with Buffalo with the, the loss. So the Pats did uh, Buffalo and the Jets some favours here um, mm. as well. So that sort of brought – the top three in the AFC East back closer together, which means it's come becoming more of that shootout that we thought it was going to be in the AFC East. Uh, whereas the the Eagles, Brad, in the NFC East, uh, your Cowboys and the Eagles, uh, they're really running away from the other two. But I worry, I worry about your Cowboys if they can't if they can't pick it up in the next couple of weeks. Then uh, yeah. I'm not trying to get on them. Yeah. I'm just saying if they yeah. can't, they're gonna they're just gonna lose. Yeah. They're gonna lose sight with the Eagles, and if they do that, I think they're they're in for a, a world of hurt coming towards the the uh, the skinny end of the season. I you know I, I obviously I love my Cowboys, 
but but I don't think they're going to win the division. Um, I, I think they're I think they will be fifth, you know, just because the division winners are always first. But uh, but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. You know, you're you're right though in terms of with the Dolphins losing, showing how human they are. Um, I think it'll be really fun to see those those uh, the Dolphins and the Ravens battling it out uh, for the two and three spot in that AFC. Yep. All right. Monday night football. This is one I was especially <laughs> I was especially hoping to discuss with Manjot. Um, some would say the conspiracy theorists out there would say that Manjot has concocted yep. Yep. this uh, this story <laughs> of an assignment that he urgently needs to write to to run away <sighs> from discussing a 49ers loss against my Minnesota Vikings. Uh, to, uh, let all, to let all the listeners in on a uh, a little backroom uh, chat we had. Brad doesn't get to watch the games as we all do live during the day. Brad messaged us at night and said, what was what was the game like? I don't want to watch the Vikings get blown out. And I went, no, you need to watch it. Trust me, you need to watch it. Uh, and Brad, I, I mean, I have to say, was it a disappointing watch? Absolutely not. Now, I, I got to admit, I watched like a condensed version of it, but not at all. I was, I, everybody knows my disdain for the 49ers. I love Manjo, but I hate the 49ers. And so I was very, very happy with the outcome of this game. I, I think we said it last week, and I'll, I'll let you talk to the bulk of it because it's your Vikings, but um, I love the way they featured Addison, and yep. uh, I really that that was going to be the thing I was going to talk the most it. about, to be honest. Okay, I'll, yeah, I'll go for it. No, I'll you're go. right. You can. I don't. Other people can gush about the Vikings for once. It's fine. Um, <laughs> no, my my point though was just how you know I was hoping that he would step up and be that number one receiver, and he really did. He really, really did against an amazing defense. So, uh, and you can't say this is, you know, because San Francisco let him down. No, Kirk Cousins and Minnesota look good. Now, you know, you want him to see that. You want to see that from him every week. And the running game was not good. Uh, the Vikings running game wasn't good, but Kirk Cousins in in the Vikings did look good. So props to them for for beating legitimate Super Bowl contenders in the 49ers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think then the biggest the biggest play, which nobody could doubt, was Addison winning uh, a tug of war battle with 49ers cornerback Shaverius Ward, uh, one which he'd lost earlier in the game within the first the first drive actually. Pretty sure it was. He lost a similar tug of war battle where Ward basically picked off um, or did pick off Kirk Cousins. And in this one, Cousins realized that he, it, by his own admission, that he let the ball fly for Addison earlier than he wanted because he was in the face of a a, a 49ers blitz. Uh, let it go mm-hmm. earlier. He thought for sure he was getting picked. And then, uh, and he would have actually, but Ward had that ball first. Addison had his arm in there won a tug of war and ran away for a 60-yard touchdown, which sealed the game absolutely. The 49ers did have a little bit of time left on the clock to get something done. Were looking like they were going down the field before uh, Brock Purdy threw a a late pick to Cam, Cameron Bynum, which was his second of the game. And that's definitely sealed the win. Some big, big numbers. As you said, Jordan Addison, 123 yards, two TDs. Good, good breakout game for him which is uh, great as a Vikings fan to see that. And I agree with you, Brad. It's good to see him step up and take that number one position while JJ is still uh, hurt. Um, Hawkinson, as always, 86 yards, ever reliable as a tight end. I would say at this point, without any absolute Vikings bias, he is TE2 in the league behind Kelsey right now. I I think he has slightly overtaken Kittle and Andrews at this point. Um, I yep. think that's just the, the usage of Kittle more than anything has has really hampered him, um, but Hawkinson is just so vital for the the Vikings offense right now, uh, and he's balling out, and I I love to see it. The young guy coming up, um, and how good you know I mean that's how good does that trade look? You know, it, it's so good now. Happened, yeah, I was like, uh, I I can see why, but I don't know, but and it's looked great. It it has really panned off for him. 
And I think you could you could say if you look at the lines now, what's happening with Sam Laporta, that if he'd stayed there, he probably would have been playing at like Sam Laporta is now. They would have schemed yeah. him like Sam Laporta because they're a very similar player. So I think you could do that. Um, but yeah, it's a great been a great trade for the Vikings. Um, yeah, really really good. As you said, Minnesota rushing game though. If the Vikings really want to take this thing further, if they want to really put a stamp on the division. Um, and of course, they're coming up against Green Bay this week uh, to really to put themselves another another game ahead of the bottom two in Green Bay and, and the Bears, and get closer to the Lions, who thankfully did have a loss, so we can get close still. They need to figure out a rushing game. Mm-hmm. Getting 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 Cam Akers in was a great thing. Cam Akers had a, a better game this game. Alexander Madison, though, I'm still on him. He run it just the the routes he chooses to run from from scrimmage. Uh, I just don't understand them. It's frustrating as a Vikings player to watch him run directly straight forward into a ball of players every single time. <laughs> it doesn't matter where he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. He did miss a TD catch and Manjot said to him, said to me in the group chat, oh, he could have caught that. And I said, no, there's no way he could have because he would have to deviate from a straight run to do it. Um, mm. so, <laughs> and he was running across <laughs> the field. So it, it's just frustrating. I think the guy has a lot of talent, but he he needs to he needs to figure out how to move off his feet and how to move off that straight line and pick a gap, uh, which Cam Akers does very well, and it was great to see him with some breakout runs. I think the biggest thing for the Vikings, and I don't want it to be all Viking centric, but the thing that they they did that really hampered the 49ers and stopped the 49ers' natural game was figuring out a scheme to stop Christian McCaffrey for the majority of the time. Yes, he did, he did obviously have that one really good breakaway TD run, uh, which was great. Yeah, he was he only faced two Vikings players, two cornerbacks, and um, they were on islands basically. So anybody could have gotten around them basically. But of course, Christian McCaffrey with a ball, he was hundred percent going to do it. But the majority of the rest of his carries were held to a three yard average, and I think that is the key for any team that comes up against the 49ers at this point, is to figure out a way to scheme Christian McCaffrey out of the game and you will have a much better chance against the 49ers. Yeah, I 100% agree. No Cowboys. Yeah, fail to do that, they will destroy you. Mm -hmm. That is is basically how it has gone so far this season. Because we saw that last week too against the Browns. They schemed him out in parts parts of it and they managed to stay in a game and beat them. Um, And yeah, so there's a blueprint there now. 49ers... I mean, I, there's never anything bad to say about them. They just had a there was an off game for for a bunch of players. It just didn't work. Um, there's a bunch of stories now. Apparently, Brock Purdy, he, well, he is in concussion protocol. He's apparently got okay. a concussion on a play. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been chatting against people all day on X, uh, on Twitter, pretty much. I don't doubt that he's got a concussion. It's the NFL. It's a contact sport. It is going to happen. People saying that are putting on the two interceptions that he threw in the second half on the concussion because they came after that. Uh, but you look at some of the other plays around it, and he was still throwing the ball really well. A lot of players mm. come out of games post game. They're, they're good in the game, even though they get a head knock, and they come out of the game and they find the next day that they still have a bit of, like they they after a sleep, for instance, they have a bit of head fog. They haven't woken up quite right. And that's when they realize they need to figure something out and they need to go and talk to people to see the doctor, et cetera. Uh, and a lot of those guys are the guys that come out in under a week out of the concussion protocol because they are mm. feeling much better. It is just something that they're just being wary of now. Uh, if he truly had a concussion that was hampering him, I think they would have taken him out of the game. And it just doesn't yeah. seem that way now. Yeah. But other than that, Vikings win against the 49ers. Manjot's not here to hear me carry on about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then we move on to week eight, Brad, because that's that's it for the games from week seven, which was a pretty exciting week. Yeah, it was. I was, I, again, like I said at the top, I was pleasantly surprised at how competitive and interesting the games were. This is what makes the NFL you know, the king. It is the parody and just the drama, even even when you think it's going to be a, a bad game or a blowout, it ends up being really good. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I could not have said that better myself, Brad, so I think we should leave it there. 
thank you for listening and tuning in once again. Please do follow us on our socials at G'day Gridiron on Insta and Facebook. Check out Manjot at Pastry Press NFL. Uh, I did a little bit of a spot for Manjot on the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show this week. So if you want to listen to my lovely tones and you haven't checked that out yet, uh, please go over to them. If you're on the feed, welcome. Thank you. Because I did try and get people back to our, uh, make sure people were listening to our show from their feed because they do post our show up there as well. Um, apart from that, you might hear from us later in the week. Brad and I are undecided yet if we do a preview show for some of these uh, games coming up in week eight. We'll have a bit of a chat about that, see whether we come back. But if not, we will see you on the other side of week eight for the week eight recap show. Thanks, guys. G'day Gridiron is brought to you by the Aussie Gridiron Network, a network of Australian podcasts bringing you some of the best content from the NFL and the local game. Check out our other podcasts, Aussie NFL Fantasy and No Huddle Dynasty.